Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Citicoline, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory, and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit Cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Power Your Performance welcomes Harley Parks, CEO of Bear Claw Esports. Powered by Cognizant. Thank you so much, Gary. It's awesome to be here today. It's great to see you in person. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's nice to be in Dallas with a a live, live person. So you're now based here? Correct. Even though I I do know a bit about your history because we have a relationship. Yeah. Where where we sponsor the team. Skins.gg sponsors the team. And we'll be part of the arena, which we will get to. But before we get to any of that, let's talk about you as probably the youngest executive in esports and certainly the youngest owner of an esports team that's got to be an exciting and responsible place to be it is it definitely is there's a lot of course on my plate that comes with it and like i said for everyone watching the podcast my my throat is absolutely gone i do apologize but it is it's a lot of responsibilities and it definitely piles up really fast this whole adulting thing has always been stressful you know i'm 19 now i just celebrated my birthday two and a half weeks ago so happy birthday may 30th so it's been well it's, that means that we have known each other yeah. professionally for a year because yeah. it was a year ago that you were going to sign something yep. a day away from your 18th birthday. Yep. And I said, I'm not, co- I'm not so sure we can do that. <laughs> yep, so, yep, I remember so, that. So this is our anniversary as well. Definitely. Congrats. Yeah, definitely. that's cool. That's Well, that's interesting when you say, you know, the adulting thing. Do you feel that people look at you, one, with a lot of respect or less respect at times, depending on the situation? It, I definitely see, depending on the situation, my age does work against me. And then there's some situations where my age does work for me. Give me an um, example of both, just because that's fascinating. When I was at Leap, you know, I was in Saudi Arabia, you know, there before I did my my you know, my press conference, my, my actual keynote. It was really hard to get a lot of people to see me or talk to me or go up to them and give my business card. They really thought I was just another person walking around. <laughs> like, who's your father? Yeah, exactly. Like, where's, where's your, your caregiver here? <laughs> I didn't know we were doing childcare this, this, exactly. <laughs> this convention. After I spoke, there was a lot more respect and people came up to me and I was able to approach into conversations a lot easier. So, you know, certain things like that, before I get to really like show who I am or talk about what I do or for someone to see what I do, I'm definitely looked down upon a, a lot more. But once I'm able to show, once I'm able to do something, then definitely it's it's a lot, a lot more respect that comes into play. Well, you've been doing it for quite some time. Definitely. I mean, you started gaming. I mean, how old yeah. were you when you started gaming? Gosh, I think 
four or five years old. Were you really? Yeah, it was really, What'd really tiny. I was playing Pokemon you know, on the DSi, Pokemon Pearl. I remember when the DSi came out, I was so excited. I was playing Wii. When the Wii system came out, you know, I've been, I was playing Game Boy. I was playing everything, you know, And back your then. parents were supportive of gaming? Well, they were supportive in gaming as a pastime. As a career choice, not so much. They were a little concerned about gaming right, as a career right, choice. Rightfully so. Rightfully. Uh, oh, a, yeah. As a parent, I can I can understand that. Definitely. But as a pastime, they were okay. It wasn't like, Definitely. hey, go play soccer, kick a ball around, run around, yeah. and, and do something more physical yeah, than, no, as, than, than gaming. As long as my grades were, were good um, and that, you know, I did have quality outside time and I went, you know, to go to the golf course or something of the sort uh, for my extracurriculars, they didn't you know really bother about gaming as a pastor. I think from a parental standpoint gaming is probably the greatest leverage yep a parent has ever had in life yep. with, with getting their kids to do anything from brushing your teeth to homework to stop hitting a sibling <laughs> yes you know, it, <laughs> Definitely. It, it, in, in so many millions of households there is I'm taking that away yep and and, and behavior seems to uh, change yep. but you grew up as a traveling child in the military right yeah my father uh he just retired after 32 years of service congratulations Um, dad and now he works at booz allen hamilton Uh, yeah no thank you thank you i will definitely make sure that he is he's thanked greatly uh, appreciate so where did you say i'm sorry to maintain yeah he he now works at booz allen hamilton Uh, he's still in germany but uh you know i got the blessing and the experience of traveling the world um i think we're clocking in at 40 countries right now that i visited really is amazing so i've had a blessed childhood so gaming an asset in terms of socialization as you were going face to base that there there was a commonality and all of a sudden now you can play yeah everyone you know everyone on on those bases you know it was really common for all the kids to play call of duty Mm. you know your parents are in the military you play call of duty oh that's interesting you would think they there's the military is so ever present that maybe there's another game maybe not maybe the uh, it's just indoctrinated in the family it's military so we're going to play cod that's literally it's exactly how it works and so every kid we'd all play cod after after school you know we'd go play call of duty during the weekends we'd play call of duty we'd go to each other's houses and play call of duty and it was really cool because no matter what country i went to even with locals they all knew games they all game the entire world games so no matter where i went to either country if there's a language barrier we all understood you know what CSGO was or you know what Valorant was so it was really easy to connect with a lot of people and make a lot of friends on the other side of the world and then your formal quote unquote role in esports started many years ago so tell me about that. So I used to play I used to play Call of Duty on clans, like smaller clans. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of worked my way up from there, then created my own around my sophomore year of high school, right before COVID hit. So that's when I started Barrack Law. It was February of twenty twenty. When I did that, you know, everything kind of shifted. Of course, a lot of people were hesitant in my life choices at the time, but definitely, you know, it, it definitely paid off. But okay, so they, they didn't like the choice because your age, or they didn't like the choice 
because it was hard to imagine it being a career. It was definitely hard to imagine it being a career. And a lot of my friends and family, you know, they see phase, they see optic, and they're like, yeah, it's not going to happen, and you're never going to be at that level. And I was like, you know what? Try. I'm so sure you want to be either one of those organizations <laughs> yeah, the, the, these days. You know, I want to be my own. You know, set my own path. Well, because it's it, and we're, we'll get to the challenges and and the monetization. Because obviously, there's been a lot because of the SPAC with Phase. Yep. Published about is there a there there kind of thing yep. and optic obviously is a name change and it it's a successor organization yep. and and there's so many esports organizations that now look at themselves as an entertainment company yep. and creator first as opposed to gaming esports first yep. which is an interesting conversation to have which you know we'll we'll, we'll, we'll touch on but you wake up one day and you go yeah, I can do this. I may be a baby in the eyes of the world. You'll always be a baby in the eyes of your parents. Yep. And I'm going to have an esports organization, and I don't own a football team or yep. an NBA franchise, and I'm going to figure out how to fund it, staff it, compete, and yep. make it work. What's that moment? I mean, when when did you say, because then that's two years ago, right? Yeah. So, so you almost, know, almost two and a half years ago. All right. So yeah. you're you're sixteen and a half, seventeen yep. years old. Almost the time that people are learning to drive, you're owning and creating an esports team. Yeah. What's that aha moment? I think so. I think growing up, being in those like clans and all that, and seeing that competitive Call of Duty during 2012 and up, I think when that aha moment was was when I was starting Bear Claw, and when I was watching, you know, any any of the Call of Duty, it, at this time it was the CWO, it was the last CWO before it switched to CDL. I think it was watching the CWO, seeing teams that I look up to play and saying in my mind, I don't want to meet them as a fan. I want to meet them as a peer. And I want to, to know them more than just as a fan. I want to be able to go out to dinner with these people, you know, and get to know their life story. And I think that's where my aha moment really came, you know, is was seeing the people that I look up to compete. And I think the bigger aha moment that made it a little bit more solidified was actually a few months ago going to Minnesota, going to play in the Call of Duty Challengers Cup seeing Attach, who I looked up to since 2017 Denial, watching him win in Advanced Warfare as the youngest COD pro, and going up to him and him saying, Bearclaw, right? Harley, okay, awesome. I was watching you guys the other day in the Elites. That was so cool to me, you know? Uh, it's gotta be. I mean, I mean that's yeah. a, that validation at its best. Yeah, and, and then he, co he comes out, he goes back into his room, right? He says, give me one moment. I'll be right back. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm sitting with, with some of my staff. And he comes back out with his mom, right? Mom attached. And he's like, I have a question. And I'm like, what's going on? He takes off his hoodie. He shows his new merch line. He's like, this is unreleased. Don't tell anyone. But what do you think? And I was like, this is awesome. You, he's like, you're the first one to see this. I respect you guys. You guys are cool. Seeing you guys from elites. So for me, that was like the coolest validation moment. I can see in your face. From, oh, that's cool. From seeing him compete, you know, as, as the youngest COD pro to win a world championship oh. to being, you know, the youngest CEO, getting that validation from someone who's been in that, that type of place before was amazing. It's got to be. All right. So now you're 16 and a half, 17 years old. You've already had the aha moment. You go, Bear Claw's going to be a professional organization in the esports world. Yep. 
what do you do at 17? You're, I mean, you don't have business experience per yep. se. You don't have a whole lot of life experience nope. <laughs> per se. You have gaming experience yes. as a gamer on a couch and, you know, the, 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 the wide-eyed sports yep. fan. Yep. And you say, okay, now I form an LLC. What do I do? Yeah, so basically that entire moment of, okay, how do I get this off the ground was I was working at Taco Bell at the time. I was like, all right, I'm going to take a second job. So I was a piece repair technician at a place. Taco Bell's a good place to start an esports team. I mean, they're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was working at Taco Bell at the time, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to need more money. You know, I got to do something else. So I took on a second job while I was doing online classes in high school. So I became a PC repair technician at a place called Handy Clinic on Ramstein Air Base. So I was working at the Taco Bell and as a PC repair technician while doing school full time and trying to start Bear Claw. So lots of moving parts. Sleep was non-existent and I had 36 hour work days. I remember those days. I still have some of those days. I'm going to be completely honest, but they're never going to when those days stop is when you start worrying. Yep. Yeah, no, you have a de definitely a good point. But so, I mean, I, I did that. You know, I spoke to my dad. I was like, how do I start an LLC? My dad's like, I don't know. I'm not a business guy. So I was looking at everything. I was watching YouTube videos. I was reading Harvard Business Review. I was just reading, studying, no sleep, complete grind time, as everyone would call it. And then, you know, started at LLC, had my dad, you know, be the major owner of the time because I wasn't 18 yet, so I couldn't own it. When I was 18, he signed it over to me so that way... I mean, I was running operations anyways. Right. He was just there as a name to, so I could legally have it. So then he signed it over to me when I was 18. Before all that stuff, you know, I had a, I think the biggest turning point for me was when a Korean Valorant team reached out to me. I had the first Korean Valorant team. Then we went under a, we were going to be bought out and do an M&A. We were going to be the ones merging under another company. That M&A did not go so well. There's a lot of past history on it. That M&A, it just fell apart. It was a company, I believe I can say this because there's no there's no legal repercussions right now, a company called Plinius at the time okay. that actually hurt more than just me, but they hurt companies like Solaris, which used to be called Ardor. They hurt companies like me. They hurt companies like Hong Kong Telecom, HTC. So it was a huge thing that you know it really set me back because and because yeah. they they promised certain things and didn't they, fulfill yep, it they promised a lot they were promising you know one to acquire the company for a set amount of money we had a full formal contract in place they were promising paying me paying my company paying salaries when we didn't receive payment and things started going wrong and we had to break away I had to personally go into my own college fund and pay you know a lot of those Valorant players you know and I had to sit there and learn a hard lesson you know I was like dang I was like $13,000 that I could have used for college so I can tell you being somewhat of an entrepreneur from all the things that I've done even through skins you don't really learn by your successes no you know those are easy to sit back and you know as the saying goes light a cigar and have you know have a cognac. You learn by your mistakes. Yeah. Um, exceptionally well, hopefully. And yeah. I think the, the ultimate goal is you don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. But you got through that. Yeah, no, definitely. With, and I with, think with pain and, and education. 
pain, suffering, sadness, but it did teach me a lot. A lot of those failures, you know, any failure, even smaller failures that I see today, you know, that no one's perfect and good people make bad decisions and good people make, you know, mistakes. It's how you handle them afterwards that makes you the good person that sets you apart from everyone else. And I think even as I'm still learning, because I'm still not perfect and, and my company is still not perfect. It never I, will be. It's, yeah, it's, listen, yeah. No matter what, stuff's going to happen. It's not that you're never going to stop things from happening. Yeah. But you do learn how to grow from it yeah. and your response to it. Yep. And and that's the best that business can teach you. So you, so that falls apart. Yeah. So Plinius falls apart, and, and then now I they don't buy you, and now yeah. you're here in debt or yeah. So less I, money in your college less fund. less money in my college fund. And your parents are saying, "I yeah. told you." Yeah. Literally, my parents were sitting there. They're like, "Oh, oh my god, I we told, told you, she you so. And, she, you wouldn't do this." And I was like, "No, I'm gonna do it again." Right. So I do it again. And my parents are like, here we go again. She's just, this is horrible. But I, I did it again and I actually met a lot of good people out of that and learned a lot of, you know, good lessons. And I think that's something that, you know, college could have never taught me was that experience that I went through, you know. It never will. I mean, and it, 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 college will never teach you that. Exactly. And so I went, I went off again, just starting back by myself, start of 2021, basically. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this again. And so I did, you know, started acquiring teams, started finding sponsors, really starting out small, grounding everything, setting in the proper procedures, setting out proper processes, something that I didn't have beforehand, you know. And then it took off from there. It kept, you know, getting better. Of course, we've had our setbacks since then, you know. And, you know, everything always changes. You know, like the crypto market right now, we had a setback because of the crypto market and some of our partners that we work with, you know. In terms of sponsors or in, yeah. in terms of investors? In terms of sponsors. In terms of sponsors. You know, we had a, a sponsor leave because they're like, we can't support because of, we're a crypto company. We can't support anyone right now because of the crypto market. And I'm like, no, that I, makes you sense. Know, I hear that. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting because... You can look at crypto as the greatest thing ever or not. And, yep. and we won't have a crypto conversation because there's no reason to. That's yep. not that's kind of not our, our, our subject. But it's unfortunate because it is certainly in gaming because of yep. blockchain and, and, games, and, yeah. and, and metaverse and Web3 yep. and all the things that are kind of associated in and around gaming you know gaming seems to be the highway yeah. to justify a lot of these things that have no justification crypto being yeah. one of them I, and I just saw something yesterday that was a crypto.com that took over this, what used to be the Staples Arena yeah. um, Staples Center in LA that there's a rumor that they're trying to get out of their, yep. you know, their their two hundred and fifty million dollar. Well, there's a whole rumor about Coinbase right now too. And Coinbase and, so, uh, and Binance is no longer taking crypto. Yeah. Uh, so, as an owner of a team, do you now just say we're staying away from all crypto? So I. Yeah, so after seeing some of our sponsors, you know, having a hard time in their businesses with the crypto space and understanding, hey, you know, maybe two years down the road we can reconvene because, you know, the crypto market right now is, is of course, not yeah. bullish at all. It's definitely bearish. But I, I, I think, you know, stay away from crypto for now. I think definitely in the next few years, you know, we are going into a recession. But I think in the next few years, of course, crypto will rise back up. 
looking at past trends, you know, how it's been through, you know, smaller recessions. But I, I definitely see crypto going back up. I just think for now, as an, as a team, we should stay away from something like crypto and the metaverse and play to earn games just because of the fact that the space right now is not in the most stable state. And it's really hard to push a campaign or push something to your fans that don't believe in it or don't feel confident in what you're trying to sell or confident in what you're trying to, you know, give them as entertainment. And fans should always come first. You know, your your organic fans should always come first. And, and no matter I'm the CEO or not, the fans are still my boss. Right. You know, at the end of the day, they're still my boss. If I do something that they don't like, I'm not gonna be, I'm, That's true. I'm That's gonna true. be canceled. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, what I want to do is to be honest and give the fans what they want. I don't wanna, you know, force feed something that, you know, is not confident in the world right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, gaming, they keep saying that metaverse is is the extension of gaming to a large extent. I'm not so sure that the metaverse is anything yeah. other than just another place. Right? Yeah, it's just a, it's another place. It's hard enough one for people to create good games. Yep, and let alone create scale around a game. Yep. So to start looking at new places to do that in, not so sure the world needs that, but yeah. that's that's a different union and pay grade than applies to me. All right, so yeah. you you reconstitute your organization, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, now I'm independent, and I'm going to raise money, I'm going to yep. start my teams, and you start with how many game teams and competing we started with two at the time we had apex and then we did call of duty again which worked out actually really well and we were just growing from you know call of duty we continuously kept getting better teams you know so call of duty was just advancing up better teams each and every time with apex we were advancing up our apex teams sadly we had to let our apex team go because we thought there was going to be a LAN, and you know you always work up towards the land you always work up towards the big bucks tournaments of course. um and that's what the sponsors want and when we found out that lands were not going to happen in 2021 because of covid and it was a european team we sadly had to let go of the Apex team and start looking at more NA options. Right now, current Bear Claw, you know, <clears throat> we still have an overseas team. We actually have a Singaporean Valorant team right now. So we're, we're super excited about that. You know, we're, we're happy to get back into Valorant, happy to be back where really what, what boosted Bear Claw up in a good light. So what what's the challenge in running an esports organization? Oh, gosh. I think the biggest challenge is scalability and differentiating yourself from others. So scalability in, front, in in terms of fan base? In terms of fan base, in terms of doing something different, because a lot of esports organizations do the same thing. And trying to do something different or figuring out how to do something different, you gotta think outside the box. For us, for Bear Claw, we're like, okay, you know, we're not gonna make money and we're not going to make a growing different organization from just doing the same thing that phase or optic are doing or space station going to tournaments and having sponsors what else can we do and so we turn to facilities right we were like okay maybe if we put facilities around the world and maybe we do something in our in our brand you know we, we can offer more and be closer to the community you know and offer something that hasn't been done yet by other teams so i think Thinking outside the box in that sense and working with the cities and working with the government and showing in the light of esports in the right way is 
where your where your solidified revenue comes from, where your you know solidified business plan comes from, because we had to shift our business plan. You know, when we we were like, okay, how do we do this? We're going to start making facilities as well. You know, and I think that's where well, that certainly about, gets you into grassroots and yeah. and gaming. Listen, gaming at its core, I mean, you can talk about esports and everything else, is about community. Right? Definitely. Games are transient. They come and they go. Leagues come and they go. Yep. And, and you don't control the IP, right? Because yep. they're not your game. So what you can control is, to a certain extent is your community. Exactly, yep. And the only way you get to a community is to build it from the ground up. You can't, exactly. You cannot buy a community. And I you think... You cannot buy the Texas Rangers yeah. fan base. You have to build the Texas Rangers exactly. fan base. And I think that's where a lot of esports organizations do go wrong is they, you know, they don't really care about community or grassroots first. A lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say they do, but they just go off and do their own thing. I think truly caring about grassroots is creating those tournaments, creating those spaces, you know, making an outlet for creators. It's, but there is a difference between having a community-based organization and having a profitable business. Definitely. Right? So I think certainly a lot of the, the conversation that I hear that's done actually in these mics is... Is esports a viable business Currently, as a standalone <laughs> esports organization? Currently, no, not at all. I think in four or five years, definitely. It's, you know, it's growing rapidly and it's definitely going to be the future. You know, a lot of people, when football or baseball just started out, it was not a viable option at all. You know, any of this. But they have survived primarily on media rights. Yep. Do you think esports? It doesn't have to get to the same amount, you know, in yeah. terms of media rights. Listen, the NBA and the NFL have been around forever today. So yeah. to think that you're going to get media rights at that level overnight, that's obviously yeah, not going to happen. But do you think there's a Thursday night two-hour cod block on Amazon coming or Sunday like? you know, the NFL game of the week or whatever, you know, Monday night football. Not yet. Definitely not you see not that yet. 10 years? I could see that. Years? Actually, I could see that in like three or four years, to be honest. Yes, TV right now is working on that, and they're kind of paving the way to make that a reality. So I do know that there are some people that are working to make that a reality. And like I said, I think that is, you know, three or four years down the line going to be a, a truly viable option, especially with esports going into the Olympics. Yeah, it, 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 what, and it, well, what I find interesting is conversationally is that the people that game are digital. Yep. Right. So the media that has funded sports for the most part has not been digital. Yep. Does this audience go non-digital for that content, or do the digital platforms have to step up? and write checks for the right to air that. I think it works both ways. I mean, you definitely see a lot of the fan base, the digital fan base becoming more, you know, physical, going out to League of Legends tournaments, you know, actually going to watch teams play. So, I mean, I, I definitely see 
that that digital fan base is slowly coming to be a physical fan base as well. As for those physical base, you know, media, entertainment, you know, people or companies or, or sponsors, they definitely need to move more digital. There's a lot of non-endemic brands and brands that are just used to football and baseball that they are taking a liking to esports. And I think you know, both have to meet at an intersection. It's well, just as a brand, like in you know, our thinking as a brand in this space. I mean, we're 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 more of a endemic brand because definitely we're not we're not beer selling to yep. to, to, to gaming. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think the challenge that we ask ourselves all the time is: is there sufficient engagement? Yep. To raise your Brand awareness yep. that leads to some form of conversion. And that's where I think having a physical space is going to set us apart from a lot of people. You know, we can host our own lands at our space. Yeah, no question. You know, we can sell right then and there. And when people, people see, you know, ads and marketing, a, a lot of times they're like, okay, that's cool. And then it just leaves their head, you know. They're not going to think about State Farm for the rest of the day. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? But when they see something in a space and, you know, it's right in front of them, they're a lot more inclined to go purchase well, said item. That's a good item. point. I've, I've, I've had up until COVID, Los Angeles Kings hockey season tickets for 20-some-odd years. Yeah. And every game that I took, other than, than, than family, at the end of the game as we're leaving the arena, I'd say – Give me five brands that you saw during the game. Mm -hmm. Not once in 20 years did people come up with five, and no one came up with Staples as the office supply company at wow. the Staples Center. And, and I'd always say, well, what about Staples? They go, what about Staples? Oh, yeah. Yep. I just never in, in literally 20 years. So it, it, it's a good point. You say if you control that and everything yep. is just you and you have brands that support your audience, right, that, yeah. that are not off-the-wall brands that shouldn't be there, then, yep. yes, I think, I think that makes sense, both for the brand, your brand, the participating brand, and most importantly, the value proposition yep. to your attendees, consumer, players. Oh, definitely. So it's, and yeah, it's so tell me about the arenas. I know we're going to go see one yes. later today. I'm excited about that because Skins will be part of that. Size, layout. Yeah, so we want to do something a little bit different. Of course, we want a gaming cafe, but we want it to be an actual facility that offers more than just your average gaming cafe. Of course, we're going to do boot camps, but we want to engage schools. We want to put in coaching. We want people mm -hmm. to see their favorite players playing at the same place that they are. We want to be able to host classes. We want to be able to do more with these spaces than anyone could imagine. Camps, you know, like kid camps for, for kids, you know, coding camps. We want to be able to, you know, cover all ends of the spectrum that many gaming cafes are not covering. And there's a lot of open-ended, you know, things that are just left in in. Oh, in the blue yeah. that I think a lot of these cafes are not harnessing the, their full potential, you know, and I think 
for us, if we're able to harness that full potential, you know, and have a brand behind it and have an actual, you know, esports team open a space with their brands, something that, if I'm not wrong, has not been done before. I don't think it's been done before. I think, you know, listen, as much as esports is looked at with some degree of maturity, it's still a very immature space and it's still a very nascent space and is still. I think even forget the wild wild west. It's the wild 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 west. Oh, definitely. It's it's throwing darts against a board and, and hoping something's going to stick. Definitely. So, yeah, there's a lot of the large arenas just built large arenas without yeah. any thought of programming. But the, you know the thing is, is you're completely right. These large arenas are not for your day to day audience. No, at all. And if you make something smaller, more boutique that makes someone feel welcome, that's for the audience that you want. You know, being able to branch out and do more than just, hey, I'm hosting a big tournament. I think with those, you don't get the interaction with your fans as closely. They just- yeah, I mean, listen, I went through that with Allied Esports when they did the, you know, the, the Hyper, what is now, I still think it's it's HyperX, yeah. uh, HyperX still has that. I don't know that they have yeah. the entire sign on the pyramid yeah. anymore, but <laughs> I remember going through there, oh, this got to be four years ago during construction, because yep. that used to be a nightclub. Really? Uh, yeah, it was first a nightclub, live or live, something like that. And when you went through that, it was a, holy cow. I mean, yep. this is a massive space. Yep. And... As we saw it progress, and then it was at the opening, was saying, "How does this make sense?" I mean, there's a lot of money being yeah. put into this space. Yep. What's happening on two o'clock on a Wednesday? And I think that's the the biggest thing is like, you have these these companies making all these big spaces, right? Or you have teams making arenas or my favorite you know you have just companies that come in and are building all these you know smaller spaces but never has a team built an actual space right never has a team built a smaller scaled gaming cafe i think that's where everyone shoots for the stars and so hits the Andromeda it, Galaxy when they're trying to hit the I don't know how successful it's been or not. In fact, I think they just reached out to us. Was it Allied that's now in some of the Walmarts? Yep, yep. But the, the thing is, I see, and, and it's Allied is great what they're doing, that they're in the Walmarts. The esports arena is in the Walmarts. But Allied, not many people know that it's Allied space. They see esports arena, right? right. And I think that's where those teams are missing out you know i think it was it's, it's either splice or somebody that owns play live nation mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that if you're like a hardcore esports right. like aficionado uh but people see play live nation and i think like i said that disconnect is what's really hurting those teams because if you as a team put your brand out there you staff it you don't just use it for birthday parties right right <laughs> but you actually provide true value to it I think that's when. So it's all it, it, in your version. It's a community center in many respects, yep. as much as it is a gaming center. Yes, it should be a community center first, rather than hey, I'm gonna go make money and have a birthday party and just fill butts and seats. So when you look at your your roster, do you ever get concerned that in esports there's fandom for games, yeah, but not for athletes. I would argue that. You know, if you look Good at like argument. Faker, T1 Faker, 
everyone who plays League of Legends loves Faker. Right. You know? But that's one. I mean, it, it's it's kind of yeah. like saying, yes, people know Ninja. Yeah, people or, know Skump. People they, know... There's a handful yeah. of people that are known. Yeah. But doesn't the sport demand uh, that more of the athletes are known? That, that when people definitely. see them, they go, oh my God, like... Like your experience, right? No, definitely. I, I agree. I mean, I've had some of the, you know, smaller known Call of Duty players. I've seen fans come up, oh my gosh, I know that guy, you know, and, and are amazed, you know. I think it's just the fans to that game are more, and this is this is something that I've seen in a lot of esports is fans will support it's not, oh, I just support this one person or this one team and that's it. But they support everyone. So it's really hard to pinpoint, you know. Well, that's an interesting concept that you think the eSport yep. fan is a fan of the ecosystem. Yep. As opposed to a baseball fan has a, for the most part, a favorite team yep. and a rotating favorite player on that team until yep. they become a free agent and they sign someplace else. So I, I definitely see it as more of an ecosystem thing. You know, you'll have okay, I like I like Optic, right? But I like all the teams in the CDL and I would happily buy all of their merchandise because it's cool. Okay. You know? But that's what I see with a lot of people. You know, they'll have their favorite team or their favorite player, but they'll support everyone, you know, because I think it's it's because a lot of these people know that the ecosystem is growing. And if they can support the ecosystem in any way they can. Th right. But someone like yeah. you in, in that ecosystem needs money to build. Oh, definitely. Stadiums, arenas, salary, staff. And definitely. is that a challenge? It is. Definitely, because we don't have those diehard, hardcore fans yet, you right. know, and a lot of teams don't have that yet. You know, there's very select teams that do, FaZe being one and, of them. And do these investors say, is it a vanity inv investment or is it a business investment? See, I would want to say it's a business <laughs> investment because long term, long term, the that numbers well look be. amazing. But right. As you sit here today where we are, I think every investment in esports has been vanity. It will pay off in time. Yeah. But it is a kind vanity. of the, that FOMO fear of missing out kind of yep. thing or on the top level. Right. Um, yep. On the high end level, it's the Bob Crafts and it's Mark Cuban and, uh, yeah. and, and they're doing it as a marketing tool for some of their, their other, other sports enterprises yes, and, yes. and what have you. And I, and I and I appreciate that. But you drop down to the lower tier and lower only in terms of size, not in yeah. terms of quality oh, or, yeah. or anything else, is are those investors still vanity investors? Or are they going, I want to see your balance sheet. I want to see your five-year projections. Our our investors personally are business investors. They, okay. What's your what's your balance sheet? What's okay. money's coming in and out? What is your projection for this? How do you see it going this way? Is the ecosystem, the industry as a whole, how do you see it? Ours personally are very much so business investors, but I definitely know that there are some vanity investors, even at the lower tier. I, I see a lot of teams that I compete with that pop up out of nowhere and you question, how did they get so famous overnight? And you realize, ah, this guy has a lot of money. Right. And so, I mean, there are still definitely vanity investors at the lower level. And sometimes it does hurt the ecosystem, especially with the people that have been trying and, and, you know, really pushing their brand out there and pushing their cause and doing what they're doing for someone to come in, you know, just 
a lot of money off the face of the earth and you know go in but it helped it helps and hurts the ecosystem as a whole i would say but you know i think those true business investors are what who the people who should be in it there's no question i mean to have real business people that want to see growth yep right that that understand that you you know you can't pay rent on likes yep and it's it just kind of doesn't work very well well some creators on youtube can but very few. <laughs> very few. Very, 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 very few. And and then how do you deal with, within your organization, individual players, your organization, the arena, and the larger system of the bad behavior in gaming? The trolling, yeah. whether it's religious trolling, LGBT, black, white, Asian. I mean, there's so much of it. Now, yeah. granted, there's so much that isn't. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And it's all healthy and supportive and well. Yeah. And yeah, there's great organizations like Game Hers for... Love you know, Game and Hers. Re- Rebecca's great. Amazing. Um, she was here uh, a month ago. We had a, we had a lovely conversation. But as an organization... How do you do that? Because one of the challenges you have is to present that to your fan base. Yeah. With parents and kids and Definitely. family units. What do you do with that? Number one, we have an HR department. <laughs> <laughs> we have an HR department for purposes like that. Truly, in my company, how I see it is if you can do your job, I don't care who you are. Who you are, what you identify as, where you come from, I don't care. Yeah, I respect everyone, right? If you can do your job and you like esports, by golly, come on in, right? And I think that's where a lot of people, there's still some older people in the scene that have certain biases or certain thought process, thought processes. Even younger people that, you know, come from a certain line of family that have certain thought processes as well. And I think, you know, having some people that are raised in that environment and bringing that to gaming is, of course, like you said, unhealthy. But I think the biggest thing is trying as a team to teach the right ways of esports and pushing and being that I would say leader in a space to you know show what's what's wrong and what's what's good you know of course it's subject to the viewer to take that in or not but you know to actually create a healthy path for fans and a healthy understanding of esports is what a lot of teams should be doing and that's why I think you know having strict guidelines having an HR department and having you know, your team see each other as a family rather than, oh, I, I compete against this other streamer in this organization because I want, you know, the goodie bag, should I say. And some people no, do that. No and, but that's, that's not, that is not how I want any team to be or anybody to feel like. And I think that's for the teams to pave that way of what's right and what's not right in esports. <clears throat> Well, yeah, without a doubt. I keep hoping it's going to get better. Definitely. And then something flares up and doesn't, right? Yeah. So, And that's probably reflective of society oh, yeah. as Definitely. a whole. It, it, It's just there are a lot of people that still want to say that gaming's unhealthy or yep. that it leads to violent behavior. Yep. And playing Call of Duty means you're going to go, you know, do yeah. what they did in Texas and go jump into a school. Oh, and, exactly. And, and, and do something. Well, and the, but then you look at like Germany and then you see CSGO, but then you look at their rates for, you know, a certain incidents and it's virtually non-existent. No question. And so I would say, you know, pinning certain things on video games is, it's a moot point because if you look at the rest of the world, 
And oh, no you question. Have, you have 2.5 billion gamers, according to yes. Nuzu, out of 8 billion people. Oh. There's not 2.5 billion people in the U.S., you know? No. And oh, I think no, a no, lot no, of people forget about that. And they're like, yeah. you know, once you look at the other, the rest of the world, they're like, hmm, gaming may not cause violence, you know? No, you know, three years ago, was it in Jacksonville where somebody went into a Madden tournament and shot some people? Yep. And the only good news about that, because I remember it happening, is that it was a Madden tournament. If it was a Call of Duty tournament, they would have said it's the violence in the game yep. that created that. And, and fortunately for gaming, when I said it then, was that it was Madden. Yeah. So nobody could say, well, football yeah. as, as, as an activity was what caused the violence. But do your athletes worry about being on the wrong end of hate? Yeah, I mean, a lot of athletes that I have, you know, certain athletes come from different, you know, backgrounds, do worry about certain things, you know, in their streams, or they do worry about how others perceive them. And I think it's up to us as an organization to treat them like family and yep. to know that they're, you know, for them to know that they're welcome and to be that space for them, to be that family for them, you know, because some of them may, may not have that support system. So you're not just a company as an esports organization, you're a family. You're a support system. You are, you know, a, a, a team. And I think that's where, you know, some investors or even some sponsors, or even some people in the organization as a whole don't see that aspect because it is more than just a business. It's more than just, I'm going to go make money, right? It is a lifestyle and it's a purpose, it is. you know? Yeah, without a doubt. All right. In the time we have, I'm going to ask you two more, two last questions. I'll okay. try to get it. <laughs> two last questions. A tendency not to ah, honor fine. my own two. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try that. You know where you are today. If you close your eyes and you say, this where I want Bear Claw to be, 2027. 2027. Okay, so I'll, I'm going to tell this to everyone. There's one goal that I have in esports. One singular goal. It is to have a League of Legends team in either the LPL or the LCK. Okay. And it is to go to Worlds and to be able to see my team in Bear Claw jerseys up on stage and bow. And that's that's, that's everything. It. That's all I ask, right? I don't want I don't want to have a yacht or a plane or have millions of dollars. My joy in esports will be fulfilled when I see my League of Legends team on the world stage and bowing. We could be dead last. I don't care. That's, but that's that would be my joy with, with your passion i am sure you're going to get there and i wish i would have asked that second because that would have been a great place to end on but i do have another question <laughs> you're a great role model for who you are thank you you know what you have attempted to do and what you have already done forget what you will be doing in the future what do you say to somebody that wants to follow that path Oh boy, I would say first thing. It's is, hard to say. Use your life experience you, as learning because you're still yeah. so young. But you're a lot older than than your chronological age because of what you've done. What's your advice to that person? Yeah, I, I would say one: do your research. Two: not everyone is going to like you. No, no, you're never going to have 100% support around you. You're going to have haters. You're going to have people that don't like you just because they think you can't do it. You're going to have people that you're going to disagree on and you're going to set your separate paths. You know, you're going to have great moments sometimes. You're going to feel like you're on top of the world. 
just to realize it might come crashing down. But but I would say perseverance is the number one thing. You know, it, it everything looks like the world is ending. If you just keep pushing through, you're going to make it. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, they get discouraged and they stop. And I think if you just keep going and you really push forward, then you can do anything. Yeah, I was told a long time ago, it's not about if, it's just about when. Yep. And, and if you can subscribe to that with most everything in your life, you get there. Yep. And that's why, you know, through all the ups and downs, you know, I've, I'm still pushing forward. And, you, and you obviously love it. I do. I do. I love I love the stress. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it, it's sometimes it sucks. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I remember what I'm doing it for. Yeah, but if it was easy. If it was easy, it wouldn't be rewarding. Everybody would be doing it. Yep. It's not easy. You know, it's it's it. I can tell you right now, there's got to be tens of thousands of people around the world that are saying at every age, I want to create an esports team. You're sitting around a dining room table or a kitchen table or a restaurant or a bar and saying, I want to do that. That doesn't do anything unless yep. you do, do that yep. and, and you've done that and it's all about yep. execution. execution it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be flawless execution yep. but if you don't execute you're not in the game yep so i'm proud of you the, the nice you. thing about where i sit with with bear claw is i get to be part of your growth thank you and 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 that and that's exciting and it's great to have you here we're going to bring you. you back and monitor all of this. I found it. Now it sounds like a parent-teacher conference. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. fine. You know, I hated those, but looking back at parent-teacher conferences, they were very much so needed, especially with the type of student I was. Having been to a lot of parent-teacher conferences, yes. Do what's necessary and you monitor, right, yep. so that you can change course and tactics. And it's one thing. Definitely. You have already seen and you will continue to see as a CEO, whatever you think is going to happen, something else is going to happen yep. and you got to react to it. Yep. If you think you're going the right way, you're not. You're not. <laughs> if you think uh, you're going the wrong way, you are. You're, you're going the right way, actually. It, which, is, which is suit. I am thrilled that you are here. I'm looking forward to going to see the arena now. And we'll probably do a couple shows from there. Awesome. You know, with you and guests and the athletes and Definitely. understand what they're going through and, and get the inside look of what it's like to be a professional athlete with all the pressures that are put upon them. So yep. thank you, my dear. And now thank it's you, off Gary. to the arena. To the arena. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.